Welcome to the Dignified People podcast, shining a light on systemic oppression and what we can do about it. Hey everyone, today's episode of Dignified People um, features Cassidy Job, and her voice might sound a little familiar. She is um, also on the self-determination group recording, so definitely check that out if you haven't. And she is doing some really, really, really amazing work that's going to impact so many people. Um, it's going to allow so many people with disabilities to live better lives, to have the opportunity to to overcome poverty, to overcome so many um, barriers in their lives that just are 100% not necessary. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and I would highly recommend following Cassidy um, at the Summit Future Foundation on Facebook and Instagram, and check out their website at summitfuturefoundation.org. Like we talk about in the episode, it's about lifelong learning, and we're learning about systems that maybe don't impact us. So definitely follow along to see um, just a little bit of what's happening in the lives of people who are living in different situations than you are. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. All right, today I'm here with Cassidy Job, and we're just going to dive right in. Um, so Cassidy, how would you like to identify yourself today? I am a disability rights advocate and also a community organizer. But I tell people that um, unofficially, I'm kind of like the Lorax. (laughs) I speak for the trees. Um, So much of advocacy is speaking for um, marginalized or populations who don't really have the forum to speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think something really relatable is the Lorax. (laughs) And what do you do professionally? I am the executive director of Summit Future Foundation, which is a non-for-profit that provides transitional services such as pre-employment and employment training to youth and young adults with developmental disabilities. And what led you to create the Summit Future Foundation? Oh my goodness. Um, Really just an understanding of the um, oppression and marginalization (laughs) of the disability population Mm -hmm. um, as it relates to having access to the workforce. Yeah. And then also an understanding of the lack of services that are available Mm -hmm. that really promote the development of the skills that youth need Mm -hmm. and to go out there and to compete in the workforce. And why is employment such a huge issue for um, the disability community? Oh, there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I really think that the simplest way to answer that um, is that people with disabilities have been denied the basic human right of employment, Mm -hmm. as you and I know it, Mm -hmm. for decades and decades and decades. Mm -hmm. Um, To the extent that we have laws in place that allow people with disabilities to be paid less than minimum wage... Wow. The only other class of individuals that that's legal are people that are incarcerated. Wow. And I yeah. think really just that in and of itself tells the story mm-hmm. of how much we devalue mm-hmm. people with disabilities participating in the workforce. Yeah. So what brought this issue of employment to your attention? What was kind of that triggering event for you? Um, I was at, I was in a training Um. Mm-hmm. I'm actively involved in, like I said, disability rights, and I was Mm -hmm. at an advocacy training, 
And I remember the first time I heard about subminimum wage Mm -hmm. and really just thinking to myself, how is this even a real thing? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's when I really started to dive into that aspect of it. Um, Another part of really what drives the motivation is my own children. Mm -hmm. I have two boys that are 14 and 12 that are on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. I don't want their future to include poverty. Right. And I have a lot of families who I know whose children are in the next five years going to be adults Mm -hmm. and participate, you know, going out into the world. And I don't want them to be, continue to be marginalized. Yeah. So what is your vision for the future of employment (laughs) with, I mean, everyone, but specifically our population? So I would say that if I could wave a magic Mm -hmm. wand, that people with disabilities would have equal access and equal rights Mm -hmm. and be looked at as valid candidates, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, more realistically, what I think that the next five years is going to hold is that we will see the elimination of subminimum wage mm-hmm. and that the Employment First initiative will really take flight uh-huh. and that as a society, we will start to really understand and respect and find ways to be creative to include people with disabilities in the workforce, Yeah, which is really exciting. Yeah. I think, you know, I think we are headed in the right direction. I know our organization is really focused on investing in the youth, Mm -hmm. teaching the skills that they need, like self-determination and setting goals and having high expectations for themselves. When you look at holistic systemic change, Mm -hmm. it takes years. Yeah. And that's why we're really kind of backing up the cart Mm -hmm. and saying, you know what, if we want 18, 19 year olds to be ready to get out there, to go to college, to get Mm -hmm. a job. They need extra support to develop those skills. Right. And so you mentioned equal access to the workforce. Can you describe what that is for some of our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So I think about equal access is, you know, at a higher level, looking at people with disabilities the same way that you would look at any other candidate. Mm -hmm. Let's say if you're an employer and you have two resumes sitting in front of you, you know, consider the person with a disability the exact same way. Mm-hmm. That's high level equal access. At a, you know, smaller level, equal access comes down to people, you know, people understanding that there's ways for individuals with disabilities to contribute and opening their doors to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And so I, you kind of touched on this um, with supporting, you know, kids kind of in that preteen yep. age, but what really, um, what what's the impact that you feel the Summit Future Foundation will have on employment? We plan to completely change the landscape. Mm-hmm. I know that's a cool. bold statement. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because that's really our goal. Yeah. I mean, we plan, we say often that we um, plan to change the future and mm-hmm. we do. And really that comes from understanding these core skills that individuals need mm-hmm. and having the data that shows when they have those that they're more successful and really infusing the people that that we support in our program with those skills and in five years from now we're going to have some really solid data and research mm-hmm. to show this is a model that works great I love it um if you could share one thing with our listeners like uh one takeaway just kind of about what we've talked about so far what would that be Um, ask the question again. Yeah, (laughs) just one big takeaway for our listeners. Um, just one thing that you really want them to know about employment for people with disabilities. 
that they're capable. Mm-hmm. I, I think if we just start with that one, you know, that one tenant, and if really you mm-hmm. find yourself in a space where maybe you're having a conversation with someone or you see somebody in the workforce that, mm-hmm. you know, does have disabilities, give them the benefit of the doubt and understand that they are capable. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, as a parent, what advice would you give to other parents when it comes to employment for people with disabilities? Because I think that, you know, it's not only the public that has uh-huh. trouble embracing this, <laughs> but it's also, you know, people involved in it as well. Absolutely. I would say as a parent, have high expectations. Mm-hmm. And to convey those expectations, one, have high expectations and buy into them yourself. Mm-hmm. And then share those high expectations with the people that support your child, Mm -hmm. whether that's an IEP team, um, therapy teams that you might have at home, your spouse, your other family members, really Mm -hmm. raise the bar for your child. Mm -hmm. Um, The other really kind of simplistic thing that people, that parents can do um, is give your child household responsibilities. I know Mm -hmm. that that sounds very like no brainer, (laughs) but... As parents of children with disabilities, we get really good at um, doing everything for them. Mm-hmm. So good that we stop asking them to do things for themselves. Yeah. And when we look at the top five indicators of what promotes successful transition outcomes, mm-hmm. having household responsibilities is number four. Wow. So it's really important to have high expectations and to give them responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So... I think that kind of plays into a little bit of like self-determination and Mm -hmm. as a parent, what other things can you do to promote self-determination in your child? Help your child set goals Mm -hmm. and create action plans. Yeah. um, And really empower them to achieve those goals, Mm -hmm. help them be a problem solver. Great. So it's not, um, it's not rocket science, Mm -hmm. but it's really something that I think, and I say this as a parent of, of two children with disabilities it's something that we really get away from. Mm-hmm. I I mean, there's there's a lot of caregiver fatigue that yes. happens, and so I yes, <laughs> not that it's even. I wouldn't even say it's the easy way out, but I guess it can like feel probably like the easy way out sometimes. I can say that when your life is centered around just keeping your head above water, mm-hmm. and you you live in crisis mode. Yeah. For I mean, if you have a teenager, you're talking about you know a decade of living yeah. in crisis mode. And the thought of doing just one more thing mm-hmm. can just be too much. Definitely. And, yeah. you know, I think that there's a lot that can go into teaching your child how to accept responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to minimize that because it can be really difficult. Yeah. But there are a lot of support systems out there to help you do that. Some mm-hmm. at Future Foundation being one of those. Yeah. <laughs> but also other Great. organizations that really understand the importance of mm-hmm. that. So. Cool. So how can we get involved with the work you're doing at Summit Future Foundation? Oh, I love that question. Yeah. (laughs) Um, First, I mean, the most immediate way Mm -hmm. to get involved is we do have um, a charity event coming up in 10 days from today. Yay! I'm excited. Yes. (laughs) Our Capture the Future Charity Gala is April 24th at 28 Event Space, which is just right downtown in the heart of Kansas City. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely beautiful venue. We're going to have food and drinks and it's a really nice mix of parents and individuals, local businesses that are in, you know Great. interested in disability inclusion. Yeah. Um, schools are going to be there. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just going to re- be a really nice mix, um, and a great way to learn more about our mission and the people that we serve. Mm-hmm. So, so far, and it can be related to Summit Future Foundation or just your life, but what do you feel is your biggest accomplishment so far? Oh my goodness. 
Um, my babies. Yeah, I would say my absolutely. Uh-huh. I would say my babies. I think you know they are my everything, my world. But watching them continue to thrive mm-hmm. um, really speaks to me that we're you know we're doing we're doing some right mm-hmm. we're doing some things right, and that's hard <laughs> to say as a parent. And I'm definitely not yeah. good at self promotion. Um, <laughs> but I you know I just think that mm-hmm. um, when my son Parker was diagnosed. I was told that he would never see me any different than the chair that I was sitting in. Mm. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And I really kind of walked away from that meeting. And this is just a personality thing of mine. Yeah. But I walked away from that meeting like, no, Mm -hmm. that's not... That's not going to be our reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And to see how far he's come and how how much he continues to surprise us. And, um, you know, that's just... He's both my boys, you know, very much. Mm-hmm. They, they have grit, they have resilience, they work their tails off mm-hmm. and they have overcome so much and they're just the best little things on the planet. Mm. So yeah, I say little as they're, you know, five yeah. feet tall and 120 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> so as uh, you keep going with your business and your personal life, what are you hoping is next for you and what do you hope to achieve? Um, my five-year goal is to be able to educate parents on a national level. Mm-hmm. I Parent advocacy and parent education um, is such an important component of what we do um, as, you know, as a society. So much of systemic change has come from grassroots movements mm-hmm. that started with parents. Yeah. And so I really want to be able to not only use Summit Future Foundation as a model, for mm-hmm. what it does look like to empower your youth and create systemic change, mm-hmm. but also use that to show parents that their kids are capable of great things. Yeah. So the kind of the premise of this podcast is to kind of talk about broken systems. So as a parent, what has been your experience with some of the systems and <laughs> where is some of that brokenness? Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> I think it can all be boiled down to low expectations. Mm-hmm. Um lack of inclusion mm-hmm. we have had to fight so hard for uh, my younger son who isn't as involved with his disability mm-hmm. to be included in regular education settings Wow! Um, because they wanted to pull him out set him aside address his learning needs and you hmm. know away from his peers and mm-hmm. when you talk about um, you know that sends the message to a child that they don't belong. Mm-hmm. And when you think about really the core of what that ends up resulting in. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, that's one of the big things. But then also just people not under not embracing those with differences. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a lot of other work on the importance of inclusion. And there's one thing that I tell parents is if you can teach your child when they're in, a, when they're in elementary school, one mm-hmm. thing. Teach them that different is okay. Mm-hmm. That concept completely reframes a child's thinking about those with differences, not just a child with a developmental difference, mm-hmm. but a child who has a different race, a child who has a different religion. Um, and if they understand that concept that different is okay, we see a lack of bullying. We see, you know, people being less judgmental of mm-hmm. others. And I mean, there's just really, that's one thing that I think you can do to 
greatly impact change with your child. Yeah, when I was um, living overseas, we had to do like this training and their big takeaway was not better, not worse, it's just different. Yes. Um, so I think that's a really good message to send. And then how have, have some of this brokenness, how has that affected your worldview? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I would say twofold. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I am constantly amazed by the kindness of mm-hmm. others but yeah. at the same time I'm always amazed by the ignorance yeah of others mm-hmm. and it's really um we're very fortunate that we live in a city that for the most part is very accepting I mean we do mm-hmm. have a great um people that want to get involved people that want to support those with differences again not just related to disability but right. also you know people that want to support those of other races and um that doesn't exist everywhere. No. And when I go to other places, when I travel for work, mm-hmm. and I encounter um, some of those just really entrenched biases, it's yeah. alarming. Mm-hmm. And I think that it really not only... I have to make a conscious effort to not let it make me cynical. Yeah. And to instead use that to infuse my passion Definitely. for why it's important to continue to convey this message. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, with some of that brokenness, there are some things that are great systems that are working really well. (laughs) And so what are some of those systems that have been the most beneficial to you and your family? Oh my, um, I wouldn't, I would, I, when I think systems, I think of places, but Mm -hmm. when I think of what has really shaped our family, Mm -hmm. it's the people that we've surrounded ourselves with. So, Mm -hmm. um, really just having people in our lives that want inclusion just like we do mm-hmm. and that can empower us as a family to help that ha- make that happen. Yeah. Um, but then also, you know, we have, there's just a lot of different opportunities for people to get involved in the positive work that's being done mm-hmm. to create, you know, positive change. So, yeah, that's what I've learned in being part of the program is just the like endless opportunities for things to do in every discipline and every area of life really yeah absolutely and I think you know Lend is a really great Mm -hmm. example of an institution taking a and making an investment Mm -hmm. in empowering graduate students and parents and all of these very diverse groups Mm -hmm. to come together and think about how can we make our community better and how can we use our platform within our, you know, discipline mm-hmm. to really continue that mission? Right. So, right. I think it's important work. And I think a lot of this can be pretty overwhelming for people who aren't directly involved in this community, <laughs> and that, like, you know, it's it's one of those hard things where it's like you don't know what you don't know, and yes. I think that's where a lot of times like this oppression and like yeah. systemic brokenness happens. So if there were just one thing that someone from a completely opposite situation um, than you have should know about your situation and yeah. similar situations, what would that be? Oh my goodness. Um, I will answer that question by sharing a story. Yeah. Um, right. Because I spent my week last week in a really kind of in-depth disability leadership training mm-hmm. and I live very deep in the weeds in that world. Yeah. So sometimes when I poke my head up, I realize... Um, how much further along I am in my journey right than others and so I was sitting next to a woman who came to the training with the intentions of opening a sheltered workshop oh 
and I really think that we were deliberately paired together. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and just watching her, you know, from the speakers who came in mm-hmm. and me sharing my experiences and asking questions um, mm-hmm. that really challenged her, you watched her go through a complete 180. Wow. From wanting to open a sheltered workshop to understanding and the kind of the coin phrase that she came away with that I really was really, you know, ingraining in her throughout yeah. the week <laughs> was that when we know better, we do better. Mm-hmm. And there was a time when sheltered workshops were innovative. Yeah. And now they're the epitome of oppression. Right. And you don't know that unless you're out there actively seeking to grow and to learn and dedicating yourself to lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's the big takeaway yeah. is continue to improve yourself. And when you do that, you mm-hmm. will improve others around you. Yeah. And real quick, what is a sheltered workshop? A sheltered workshop is a facility where people with disabilities are sent to work and they do activities like shred paper or sort bolts um, and they're paid less than minimum wage to do it. A lot mm-hmm. of times it's 14, 15 cents an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll work 40 hours a week doing menial, mindless tasks and walk away with a $4 paycheck. Yeah, I think the someone had made a comment in one of our group discussions that you'd make more money walking around Walmart looking for change. Yes, like <laughs> you unequivocally would. Um, and not only is it the wage side of things, mm-hmm. but it is the actual work that they're engaged in. It's mm-hmm. not work. It's not anything right. that any of us would want to do. I don't want to shred paper for eight hours. Right. I have yet to meet a person who wants to. Yeah. That's not meaningful work. Mm-hmm. And it's it's depressing. Yeah. And I think it's important to look at the environment yeah. um, where it's not integrated at all. And it's, yeah. it's, it's only people with disabilities working there and the staff that support them. There's no opportunity to learn from peers, mm-hmm. to have natural, you know, right. natural experiences with people that you're the same age. And, it, I mean, it's, it's soul-crushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't say that to be dramatic, but it, when you walk into those yeah. settings, it really does hit me at mm-hmm. my core. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just from our discussions and the videos and, yeah, it's, it's – uh, it's depressing. It is. And it, <laughs> really, you know, really I'm, depressing. I'm like, it's 2019. Mm-hmm. How is this a thing? Yeah. How is this still happening? Yeah. There is <laughs> no other population mm-hmm. that this would be allowed. Yeah. And that, you know, that just, again, speaks to the mm-hmm. brokenness of the system that supports people with disabilities. Yeah. And then to wrap up our episode, what is one thing, if everyone had to know if they were leaving elementary school and you had to learn it in elementary school, what's that one thing that people should? Different is okay. Mm-hmm. There, if there's a coin phrase that you can use with your children over and over again, it would be that. Because that's going to, like I said earlier, completely change the way that they react to differences. All right. Well, I think that's about it for our episode. Is there any other... Um, residing thoughts that you want to give to our listeners um no I mean I want to thank you for your work I think that this is very important and I think it's a great platform to help people understand um you know a system that they may not be exposed to otherwise Mm -hmm. so I want I just want to thank you for that yeah and the opportunity to share our message yeah great all right well that is it for this episode of dignified people and we'll see you next time
that was the Dignified People podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next time to continue to be a part of something bigger.